Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. Yes, I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Sing it with me, say. The Bible says that if you're going to come to God, if you're, going to, if you're going to please Him, you've got to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. How many of you believe that He is today and that He is a rewarder? How many believe He's a good God? Amen. Before we move forward in the service, I just with our eyes closed, not looking around, but just focusing on the presence of God that is here. In one portion of Scripture, Jesus speaking about how much He wants to do things for us. He used the analogy of an earthly father, that if you ask an earthly father for bread, He's not going to give you a stone. If you ask Him for something, He's not going to give you a serpent. He's not going to give you something harmful. He wants to give us good things. The Bible tells us every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. So all across this room, there are various needs. Some of you have financial situations. Amen. Some of you are dealing with uncertainty in your health, all kinds of certain situations. But I just want you to know today that if you ask God today for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask God today for a blessing, he's not going to turn it around and give you a serpent. So whatever your need is right now, I want us as that good father, I want us to raise those needs up before him. Whatever your need is, Lord, I bring it before you right now. And I trust in you. I believe in you. I believe, God, that you can touch Jay today, Lord. I believe that you can touch Jay. I know in 2021 there's been visits to the doctors and uncertainty. But, God, today, I believe, Lord, the, the hearts of these parents are asking, God, could we have bread today? Lord, would you, would you bless our child with good health? 
Lord, I don't believe today you're going to turn around and give them a stone. But right now, I pray in the Holy Ghost that God, you would touch Jay's body. Lord, we speak healing into his body in the name of Jesus Christ. I know the doctors haven't figured it out, but I don't serve the doctor. I serve the creator. Amen. I don't serve a physician who's practicing. I serve a God who made this body, and I speak healing in the name of Jesus. Every good and perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift. If you have faith, if you have faith, Lord, in Jesus' name, and we ask you right now, Lord, that you would do it in Jesus' name. I just want you to say, Lord, I believe in you. I trust in you, Lord. My life is in your hands, and I believe in you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise all around the room. Amen. Tell your neighbor just to confirm it. Tell your neighbor God's got this. Amen. Whatever you're facing, tell your neighbor you got to have faith. You got to believe God's got this. I don't know how He's going to work it out. Amen. I know a little. How many of you, the enemy, likes to mess with the promises of God in your life a little bit? Like He did in the garden with, with Eve, right? He messed a little bit with what God had spoken. We, earlier, we did the tither's declaration blessings and things, surprises in the mail. How many of you ever gotten surprises that you wanted to put back in the mail and put the flag back up? Say, I don't want that surprise, right? We got a, a letter in the mail from the comptroller of the state of Maryland from, this, from the year of 2020. It wasn't one of those gifts and benefits and surprises. I wanted to put it back, and I, I, but I was here at the altar praying. And I said, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out. I don't know if you're going to change their mind. Probably not, but you could, you could. All right. Or I don't know if you're just going to provide the amount of money because I know I don't have it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but God, I trust you that you're going to take care of it. And I don't know what your situation is today, but God is able. God is able. All right, some of you believe me. God is able. Come on, living hope. God is, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. My God is greater than the comptroller of the state of Maryland. My God is greater than the internal revenue service. Come on, somebody. Amen. Before we get into the vision casting this morning, one more video for you. And as they're queuing up the video if you could turn in your Bibles to, and you could stand with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 6 whenever y'all are ready Lord bless you and
Amen. I'll just say this. We got some amazing, exciting things in store for our children in 2022. And you're going to hear a little bit about it today. But in, in advance, let's give God praise for what he's going to do in our children in the year 2022. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse number 4. Thank you to all of Eric. I know helped a lot with all those videos. I think he did all of them. Thank you, Eric. Sister Khadijah, media team, thank you all for your help. Brother Josh, thank you for your basketball skills that are much more impressive when the hoop is set at eight foot. Amen. I will give you guys just a couple of things that you can look forward to this year. April 29th through May 1st is a Friday. Uh, anyway, so that might be a little deviation. Maybe the 28th, I think. Uh, so it'll be a Thursday, Friday, and a Sunday. We're going to be celebrating the 40-year anniversary of this church. And it also is the 15-year anniversary of our uh, my wife and I as the pastor of this church. So we're going to be either uh, celebrating that in this coming year. Amen. And for that, Brother Roberts is going to be here. Brother Coots is going to be here. Brother Wilson will be here that weekend. And we have one other person that you may not know, but you're going to love. Actually, two. Frankie Taylor is going to be here with us helping us with worship. And if you don't know who Frankie is, look him up. Probably one of my favorite songs. What's the name of the song? Help me out. What is it? What is it? Frankie's song that I'm listening to all the time that y'all give me a hard time about. Something about Forever My King. Forever My King. If you have, I mean, it's a great jam. It's, I know, hey, that's my memory. What's your name again? See, I, I just, I don't remember things. It's my favorite song, and I can't remember the name of it, but it really, it's a great jam. It's a good, good uh, calisthenic, you know, cardio song uh, forever. Anyway, Brother Taylor will be here with us that weekend, and Brother Jason Huckabee will be here. So we're going to have a great weekend Already looking forward to that. And not next Sunday, but a week from Sunday, Brother Roberts is going to be here, and he'll be preaching. Uh, so two weeks from today, Brother Roberts will be preaching. Amen. Everybody looking forward to that. All right. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. How many of you could close your eyes and quote Deuteronomy 6 and 4? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart with all thy soul and with all thy might. A revelation of the oneness of God without a heart that loves that revelation is nothing. Just knowing. The Bible says the devil knows that there is one God. The difference between us and the devil is that we love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. And these words, everybody say, which I command thee. Get ready. These words that I command thee shall be in thine heart. Verse 7, thou shalt teach them diligently. Everybody say diligently. Unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt teach these words diligently unto thy children. Talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way. When you lie down and... When you get up, everybody say, that covers my day. You're saying in everything you do, you need to be teaching your children. Amen. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. There's an expression that I would like to borrow from today. And cast. And I'll say this off the get-go. There's no way that we could share everything that God is going to do this year today. If I did, we'd be here till 3 o'clock. And I know how attention spans go. I would be the, I would be the only one paying attention by then. Maybe a few of you would still be hanging on. 
There's just so much that goes into the vision that God has given to us. It's exciting, but I'm just going to kind of cast, launch the vision today, and then Wednesday night we're going to get more into the practical elements of that. But in launching the vision today, I want to borrow from a saying that had its origin back in the Second World War, a phrase that was made common by pilots of the B-17 bombers. Those pilots, as they navigated their bombers over the Nazi war machine, the sky would be so filled with smoke from shells that were exploding and different explosions taking place that it would be difficult and impossible even for them to see their target. They didn't have the advanced systems of today, and so it would be nearly impossible for them to determine where the target was. Where am I supposed to be unloading these bombs that I have aboard this aircraft carrier? The pilots would know that the target of their mission was distant, when the attack from the enemy was weakest. I'm, there's really, this is not where I'm supposed to be when the attack was at the least. However, the further that the pilot would fly and the closer that they would get to the target, fire from the enemy would increase. Hence, the saying that was coined by these pilots of the B-17 bombers was, the flak is only heavy when you are over the target. The flak is only heavy when you are over the target. If I could say it this way, they prioritize their fight by the presence and the intensity of opposition from the enemy. And in the cloud of the chaotic times that we live in today, visibility is limited. The fog of spiritual war has produced a spiritual climate where visibility is limited. In the climate that we are in today, it is very easy to find ourselves fighting over the wrong things. It's easy in this climate to wrongly prioritize where our ammo should be unloaded and our fights should be focused. Now, without question, when you became a part of the kingdom of God, you enlisted in a war of consequential, uh, that was consequential to eternity. How many of you can remember in the old days we used to sing songs like, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. All right, I started singing for Dakota the other day one of the old songs that we used to sing in Sunday school, I'm in the Lord's army. Amen. I may never march in the infantry. I may never ride in the cavalry. I may never zoom or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Amen. When you signed up to be a part of the kingdom of God, you enlisted in a war of eternal consequence. It is a fight and a battle for your soul and for the souls of mankind. So yes... We are called to fight. However, in times of chaos and confusion, it is easy to engage in the wrong battles and to become entangled in the wrong war. But there is wisdom from the pilots of the old B-17 bombers. If you want to know where the target is, if you want to know where is the fight that we as the people of God should be engaging in, if you want to know where the battle is that we should be participating in, my response to you is just follow the flack. If the church is concerned with our fight being effective, and our weapons being efficient, it would be wise of us and it would be prudent to surmise where the opposition is the strongest. And so I began to be prompted of the Lord back earlier in 21 and asked myself this question, where is the opposition the strongest? Where is the enemy engaging in the battle? Where is the flak the heaviest? Where is the artillery of hell being aimed and their arsenal being directed? 
I'm not discounting the essentiality of doctrine, but that is not where the flack is heaviest. I'm not discrediting the importance of praise and worship, but that in this modern day is not where the weapons of hell are aimed. The flack is not heaviest over our programs, and the enemy really is not too concerned about the building that we are in. I'm not saying that our praise and worship and doctrine are not important, nor that the programs and the building are not worth fighting for, but doctrine will be defended, praise will be protected, and the vision for this local church will remain if we figure out where is the enemy attacking And I stand today to tell you with absolute certainty and undeniable evidence that if you follow the flack, when you analyze the opposition of the enemy and you examine the focus of his attack, there is no other outcome to arrive at, no other result that can be rendered than the family is the target. My family is the target. Amen. The devil doesn't mind if I come to church on Sunday and I worship, but I go home and cuss my wife out on Monday. Amen. The devil isn't real concerned if you fast on Tuesday and you cheat on your spouse on Thursday. He's really not too concerned. Amen. Because the enemy has one thing in mind, and that is the destruction of the family. Amen. He's out to destroy my family. He's out to destroy your family. He's out to destroy our families. Hell is out to revoke, repeat, repeal, ruin, redefine, and redesign the framework and the image of God's masterpiece creation, which is the family. In recent years, we have witnessed a culture manipulated by a spirit world that has worked to redefine family. A world that has worked to first deconstruct and then reconstruct what it even means to be family. We've watched society define strong men as toxic. Let me say that again. We've watched society define masculinity or strong men as being toxic. I'll say that one more time because I felt a little pushback. We've watched a society define strong men as toxic. And if you've been bound by that lie, I loose you in the name of Jesus. It is not toxic to be a strong man of God. It's not toxic to have values. It's not toxic to have beliefs. It's not toxic to fight for your family. All right, some of you still don't. I said it's not toxic to be a man. It's not toxic to have strong beliefs and strong opinions. If this is your first time to live in hope, it gets crazy around here. You're like, do I got to run the aisles? Well, you can. We've watched society define strong men as toxic, godly women as weak. Ladies, it's not weak of you to be a, a godly woman. It's not weak of you to find your strength in a prayer closet. It's not weak of you to have power with the angels. It's not weak of you to know how to get a hold of God through your praise and your worship. It's not weak to be a godly woman. Yeah. 
and strong families as outdated. David Brooks, author for the Atlantic Magazine, declared in 2020 article, he said that the nuclear family, which by definition is dad and mom and children living in the same house, and he said that it is a failed model whose time has run its course. He said it's time to move on to a different way to structure society. Robert Samuelson wrote in the Washington Post later in 2020, he said this, that the nuclear family, he said, not that it's the solution, which was the understanding not even 15 years ago. Most people understood if we're going to fix society, we got to fix the family. But Robert Samuelson, no, Samuelson said, no, not, not that the nuclear family is the solution, but he said is the source of the problem in modern culture. Reports gathered from census bureaus tell us that today just 22% of American families fit the description of being a nuclear family, meaning, again, dad, mom, children living in the same home together. The brutal murders of hundreds of thousands, millions of babies through the process of abortion. Understand, that, that, that's not a political issue. That is a devil issue. That is the devil that is working to destroy the family. You can agree or disagree. The growing number of fatherless homes. And I'm convinced that the real focus of the LGBTQT movement is not about sexuality, but it's simply another ploy from the enemy of how he can destroy what God put in place for blessing, and that is the family. It is a collaborated effort that is being synchronized by hell and the devil himself. And if you are wondering where the war is that must be waged, I say living hope, it's time to follow the flack. And the flack is heaviest and the, the opposition is greatest over the bullseye of the family. Is there any wonder that the adversary has set his sights on the destruction of the home and the annihilation of the family? Because the family was God's plan and God's design from the beginning. Long before God ever took 12, the 12 tribes of Israel and selected them to be a chosen nation, there was a family. Long before God ever established a church, he ordained the family. Amen. God said before he ever touched Abraham, he said, I'm going to put Adam and Eve together. And through them, I'm going to bless the world. Be fruitful and multiply. Some of you think that your marriage is just something you chose. No, it's God's ordained vehicle for blessing the world. It's through the family. The family. The family was God's vehicle for transferring blessing. In the Old Testament, when God wanted to bless someone, he did it through the vehicle of the family. He would have the dad place his hand upon the head of the son and transference of blessing would take place. The family was God's visible expression of his love for humanity. If you look in the New Testament in Ephesians, when God is saying, how can I figure out how to show this world how much I love the church? He said, I'm going to do it through how a man loves his wife. Amen. And how a woman loves her husband. That's how I'm going to show this world my relationship with the body of Christ. And when God came in the flesh, I want you to think about this. When God came in the flesh, the Savior of the world, 
He did not entrust the safety and the nurturing of his divinity to the security of a castle. He didn't put Jesus in a castle and say, I've got to keep him safe there for 30 years until his ministry is ready to be birthed. He didn't place him in the structure of government. He didn't place him behind the safekeeping of the might of military. No, he entrusted the care and the nurturing of the Savior of the world into the the cocoon of a family. Literally, literally the one that would bring salvation for all was entrusted into the care of a family. Family is the avenue of blessing, the place where we find our value and our worth. Amen. Can I, can I say this today? That home is the one place that no matter if everybody else has rejected me, if nobody else likes the coat that I'm wearing today, amen, I can go home and they may laugh at me a little bit, but my, my family still loves me. Come on. Home is the one place when everything else in this world might be going crazy and people might be losing their mind. If I can just get to the safety of home, if I can just get to the safety of family, I know everything is going to be all right. Home and family. Some of you think this isn't spiritual enough. You're not going to get more spiritual than what I'm preaching about today. Some of you want an angel to descend, amen. Amen, this isn't the day about angels ascending and descending. A lot of our problems have nothing to do with angels. A lot of our problems is that our homes and our families are out of kelter and they're in disarray. What you need is not another angel to descend. What you need to do is get your home in order. All right. home, the family, is a place where we find our value. It's that one place that we're always welcome. Amen. I'm always welcome at home. As long as there have been families, they have been the focus of hell's fight. He knew that as long as there was unity in the family, his tricks and tactics were tethered and restrained. He understood the only way that I can get to Eve is I've got to wait until there's distance between her and Adam. The only way that I can introduce envy and murder into the world is I've got to convince Cain that what was intended to be worship unto God is nothing more than competition between him and his brother. The enemy knows if I'm going to introduce my plot into this world, I've got to disrupt the family. How many of you would agree you can't worship the way you need to when there's problems at home? You can't give God the praise that you need to when there's enmity between you and your spouse. When there's distance between you and Eve, it gives the enemy room to get in and bring temptation. All right. I'm going to use some Wednesday night lines. Y'all don't want to help me preach. I'm going to preach anyhow. Satan said, I will pervert Abraham's promise by sabotaging. He said, I will pervert and confuse Abraham's promise by sabotaging the home. Amen. Brother Henderson talked about it this morning. And in our Sunday school classes, we talked about the blessing and how that when Abraham perverted what God put in place that was supposed to be a blessing through his wife, Sarah, and he introduced something else into the mix, it brought confusion. I could go on. With example after example, illustration after illustration, from Genesis to Revelation, the enemy knows that if he's going to remove God's blessing, 
distort God's love, maximize your pain and suffering. His primary target has got to be and has always been the family. And yet never before has the family been as hated and the devil's attack as heated as it is in 2022. And so I rise on this first time that we've gathered in the year 2022 and I say as the pastor of this church and there may be some of you and I don't say this cockily or or with you know kind of being uh, egotistical or with an ego there might be some of you that after I'm done preaching you might decide this is not the church you want to be but for those that you stay with me I'm telling you I'm making a statement today that we are going to fight for our families In 2022, we are going to fight for what God ordained to be the vehicle of blessing. We are going to fight for the family. We are going to be known in this community as the church that fights for families. That was not near the response I wanted to get. We are going to be known in this community as the church that fights for the family. If you want your family to be strong, you need to go to Living Hope. If you want a church that's going to fight for your family, you need to go to Living Hope. We live in a world that is surrendering our families to the altars of the adversary, but not in this church. We're going to fight for the family. We're not giving up our children. We're not giving up our marriages. I pledge to you moms and dads that every day In 2022, and I started in earnest January 1st, like never before, that I will spend time every day praying for your marriage, that I will spend time every day praying for your children. There may be some days I don't get every name in there, but I'm going to pray for the children of this church, and I'm going to pray for your marriages. The devil's not playing games. You are in the bullseye. The enemy is aiming at your marriage. He wants nothing more than to destroy your home and your family. I pledge to our single young adults, our unmarrieds, don't think that you're not a family just because you're alone. You are a part of a family. And I pledge to you that every day in 2022, I'm going to spend time in prayer for you. I'm going to pray for your careers and your educational pursuits. I'm going to pray that God will bless your relationships. And today, more than introducing another yearly slogan or just another annual theme, God is introducing to this church a paradigm shift. We're going to do church different going forward than we've ever done it. Don't get nervous. Get on board. I commit. I commit the direction of this church to fight for every family that entrusts us with the spiritual nourishment of your homes. I commit the spiritual warfare and the outreach of this church that we're going to fight for the families of this city. I'm going to need more help than that. We're going to fight for... There are people in this community right now, they need us to fight for their families. 
They don't have anybody else to turn to. There's nobody else that's praying for their marriage. Living hope, we got to take up the battle. The flag is heaviest over the family. I want the fame of this church not to be that we have the most powerful preaching, not to be that we have the greatest music, but when people ask you about living hope, when they ask you on the job, what's your church about? What, what, what is the focus of your church? What does your church do that other churches may not be doing? Here's what I want your answer to be. Living hope fights for families. We fight for families on Sunday mornings. We fight for families on Wednesday nights. We fight for families on Mondays. We fight for families on Tuesdays. So here is our mission statement for this year. Living Hope is a strong family of believers that exists to build strong families. Living Hope. Living Hope is a strong family of believers. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are family. Ow, we are. Sorry. We, Angelita, we're family. Jess, we're family. We are a family of, we are a strong family of believers. Herbie, we're a strong family. How many of you know there's no such thing as a perfect family? How many of you get nervous when your kids start talking about what's going on at home? Amen, we all have some things that happen at home that we don't want everybody knowing about. But we're a strong, we're not a perfect family, but we're a strong family. Amen. Amen. We may have some differences once in, a, once in a while between one another, but don't you mess with my brother. We may fight once in a while, but don't you mess with my brother because if you mess with my brother, you mess with me. We are a strong family of believers that exist to build strong families. The reason that we worship the way that we, listen, a lot of times the reason I worship the way I do, I may not feel like I'm on top of the mountain, but I'm doing it because Declan is watching me. I do it because my cousin Stephen is watching me. Amen. I do it because there might be somebody in the church that is struggling and I'm in the family. So I'm doing things so that you can be a strong family. Everybody say it with me. We are a strong family of believers. And we exist to build strong families. And this is indeed, you can stop repeating me now. This is indeed the fight. Next two hours you guys repeat me. I'm, not, I'm kidding, I'm not going to be that long. And this is indeed the fight that must be fought. The battle that must be waged and yet sadly... Much of the decay and erosion that we see in the family is not just coming from a godless society that hates everything that bears the fingerprint of God. No, much of the failure is that we have attempted to surrender our God-given responsibilities to institutions. We've allowed school systems to raise our children, drop them off at school and let them teach them values. Leave it up to them to teach them morals. 
We've allowed the entertainment industry to raise our children. Not understanding that they are subtly manipulating the minds of your children. We've allowed technology to babysit our children. Here, give, take my iPad and stay out of my hair. Go in the other room on the iPad for an hour and a half. And but it's not all just in our deference to education, entertainment, and technology. We have also asked the institution of the church to do the heavy lifting of teaching our children doctrine. It's pastor's job to teach my child how to reverence the house of God. Y'all still with me? It's the youth pastor and the youth committee. It's their job to teach my teen how to live a consecrated life in a secular society. It's their job to provide our children and our adolescents with wholesome entertainment. It's the Sunday school teacher's job to influence our children to love the word of God. What are we doing? We're asking the institution of the church to do what God never intended the church to do. It's not my job to teach your child to love God. It's not the youth pastor's job to teach your child to love the Word of God. It's not the youth pastor's job to teach your child to keep themselves pure until marriage. That's not their job. Just make sure they can hear me online too. And the weight that was intended to rest upon the shoulders of parents to raise children, to reverence the things of God, to live consecrated, and to love the Word of God has been, here's what we've reduced it to. If I can just get my kids to church twice a week, if my busy, jam-packed schedule allows me to get there twice, if I can get my kids there and let pastor teach them, and Sunday school teachers teach them, and youth pastors teach them, then I have done my job. Like Pilate overseeing the trial of Jesus, we've been convinced that if we can just do our job of getting our children to church, then we can wash our hands and declare ourselves innocent of the blood of our children. I submit to you today that is not the way that God intended it to work. That is not the way. Your responsibility does not end when you pull into that parking lot. It doesn't end when you let go of that child and walk them into a Sunday. If the only time they hear Deuteronomy 6 and 4 is in a Sunday school classroom, you miss the point. If the only time they hear that they should be pure until marriage is when they're sitting in the youth room, you miss the point. It's not their job to do it for you. I wish somebody would help me preach for a few minutes today. It doesn't release me from responsibility. I, I do still have a, a responsibility to preach. Our youth leader and Sunday school teachers absolutely have a responsibility to teach, to share principles of living for God, but it's got to be a partnership. As a one God apostolic church, Deuteronomy 6.4 is our bread and butter. Amen. How many of you can quote Deuteronomy 6.4? Oh man, it's worse than I thought. I thought most of you. It's like, I was like, it's apostolic. It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible, and I got like eight people raising their hand. How many of you can quote Deuteronomy 6.4? 
Most all of you. It's as much a part of our DNA as the Acts 238 message, and it should be. It is the declaration of the mighty God that we serve. Of such urgency and importance is this command that it is followed by the verse 5 command to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. But as much as we love Deuteronomy 6 and 4, what guarantees the future of the church and the salvation of your children, our families, and our homes is not how much you love Deuteronomy 6 and 4, but it's how much do you love Deuteronomy 6 and 7. I have written in my notes right here, people are going to go crazy when you say that. So let me try it again. It's not about how much you love Deuteronomy 6 and 4. It's how much do you love Deuteronomy 6 and 7. Thank you. Check. I'll check that off my list. Thank you, Lord. Which says, and thou shalt teach them diligently. Unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. I could take you to Deuteronomy chapter 11 and start in verse 18 which echoes this I'm going to read it. Therefore shall you lay up these words in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign upon your head that they may be frontlets between your eyes. Listen, and you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, not just when you come to church on Sunday, that pastor rants for 45 minutes, and then you go back home and binge watch Netflix. No, you should talk about God when you sit in your house. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, everybody say that covers everything. There's a problem when the only time we talk about God is Sunday morning. Well, pastor, I don't understand why my children don't love God. Because you tried to entrust to an institution what God called you to do. He commanded you. He commanded. These words I command you. Thou shalt write them. I challenge you. I would love that. I just want to see you guys post this one on Instagram. Write them on the doors of your house. What that would look like if everybody goes home today and starts writing these commandments on the doors of your he was He was saying get radical with it. Make sure your children see it. They're getting mixed signals. When they think your dedication and love for God is you dropping them off to Sunday school and they don't hear another word about God all week long, they're getting, so get radical and write it on the doorposts of your house. Get radical and, and make it like frontlets in your, everywhere you go, it's what we're talking about. If you want your children to love Deuteronomy 6-4, you've got to love Deuteronomy 6-7. Oh God, call us to a Deuteronomy 6 and 7 revival. Listen, how many of you trust the promises of God? Amen. Amen. 
I'm going to get real and rugged for just a minute. Some of us trust Dr. Fauci more than we trust God. Listen to what God said, that your days may be multiple, what Dr. Fauci said. Hey, listen to what God said. If you get more interested in the commandments of God, he'll multiply your days. He'll multiply your children. I'm not going to apologize. I'll say it again. I think God's, I trust God's promise over Dr. Fauci any day. Some of you don't want to clap right now because you got yourself a little idol. I'm here to tear down some idols today. If you talk about God when you get up and you talk about him when you lay down, he'll multiply your days. Listen. Listen. And the days of your children. Well, God didn't know about the pan- God knew about the pandemic. Before you ever could spell pandemic, God knew about it. And he gave you a promise that if you'd stop being worried about everything and you'd lose yourself in the word. I'll multiply your days and I'll multiply the days of your children. I'll multiply. What is the conduit for blessing upon your children? It's not what they hear from pastor. He said, if you'll teach your children, I'll multiply their days. If you will teach your children, I'll bless them so big they won't be able to handle it. If you will teach your children. I know I'm getting too practical for some of you. Some of you don't like this kind of preaching. Because it's putting the weight back on your shoulders. You don't mind pastor carrying the weight to preach every Sunday, but you don't want to carry any of it. But today that ends. I'm not carrying the weight. I'm putting the weight. If you will teach your children, if you will teach your children, God will multiply your days and he'll multiply the days of your children. Not what they hear from pastor, it's what they hear from you. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody's helping me right now in the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to help this church. God wants to bless our families. God wants to bless our homes. God wants to bless our children. What? What is going to ensure that your children grow up to love Deuteronomy 6.4? It's not what they hear in youth group on Sunday. It's what they hear when they're sitting in your house. What guarantees godly blessing and multiplied days dwelling in the promises of God is the structure of the family. So we're going to do that. We're going to be obsessed with God, what God is obsessed with in 2022. And we're going to make the family... Angelita, I'm going to make your family. Brother Harrison, I'm going to make your family. I pledge to you as your pastor. I'm going to pray for your family every day. Amen. I'm going to pray for your children. Amen. I'm going to pray. Andre, I'm going to pray for your family. Josh, I'm going to pray for you and Jess. Every part of this church, I'm praying for you because I understand God loves you. He loves the family. He wants to bless you. 
I'm, I'm going to turn the corner and bring it to a conclude, toward a conclusion. Let me say that. I only get one chance to cast vision here. Families focused on church attendance produce institutions that love tradition with all of their hearts. Families focused on church attendance. If I can just get my kid to church, if I can just get my husband to come to church, if I can just make it to church on Sunday, families focused on church attendance produce institutions that love traditions with all of their hearts. But churches that focus on building families produce generations that love God with all of their hearts. This isn't about church attendance. Yes, that's part of the equation, but it's about me building my family. It's about me taking the tools that God is going to give me and sitting down in the room and saying to Chi-Chi, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Chi-Chi, I want you to know that God is a blesser, that God is a way maker, that God is a keeper. I don't want my kids to love tradition. I want them to love God. Can we give God praise right now? If you're going to join with me in 2022, and if you're going to help me fight for families in this church and in this community, I'm asking you to help me right now, and let's give God praise. God, we're going to fight for what you fought for. We're going to love what you love. Normally, I would say, let's all, musicians, come. Let's have an altar call. But vision casting is not about an emotional response. God is calling us to a spiritual revolution. As a body of believers in 22, you can be seated for just a few more minutes. It is my conviction that the future of the church relies upon the future of our families. We could skim over this and just say, you know what, we're going to have better music in 2022 and we got great music we could have good church and we might even incline we might have an increase in attendance if we did a few things to change things up and maybe if I learned how to preach a little better we could get an increase in attendance and I'm not after an increase in attendance I want our children to love Deuteronomy 6 and 4 So a minute ago, I told you all our mission statement for this year was that we are a strong family of believers that exists to build strong families. All right, that was a, some of you failed terribly. A for effort, though. I, say, I figure if we say it enough, we'll get it. Two parts of the equation. Number one is we have to be a strong family. And so the first area that we're going to focus in this coming year is us as a family. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2 and 19 and said, You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens of the saints and members of the household of God. Everybody say that means we're family. If you follow the progression of how Scripture refers to followers of Jesus Christ, if you read in the Gospels, it begins to call them disciples 
But once you come to the book of Acts, from that point on at the end of Acts, never again will you find a follower of Jesus Christ referred to as a disciple. From that point on, they're called either a brother or a sister. You're not just a follower of Jesus Christ, you're my family. It's different. You're not just somebody that's on the same path as me. Amen. You're somebody I'm responsible for. You don't just come to the church I go to. You're part of my family. I don't care what color you are. You're part of my family. You can disown me. You can say he don't belong to me, but you can't get rid of me that easy. We are family in this building. We We are of the household of faith. We belong to one another. Brother Christian, you're my brother. Brother May, you're my brother. Brother Silvati, you're my brother. Brother Junior, you're my amigo. Mi hermano, my brother. Angelita, you're my sister. We're family. And our first focus is going to be on us as a family. This body, we are a family. And I think that's one of the strengths of this church, that we are an open and inviting family. One of the things that people remark about when they come is the friendliness and the hospitality. That's the way a home should feel. You shouldn't walk into your home and things feel awkward at home. Maybe everywhere else I go, but when I walk into home, I'm, I'm comfortable. I don't have to impress anybody when I'm at home. I wear house slippers I would never wear in front of the rest of y'all. I wear them at home. Because y'all would make fun of me, but they won't. We want people to feel welcome here. And more than ever before, I want us to focus on growing together. There's no separating the strength from the individual families from the strength of this church family. If we collectively are not strong, our families individually will not be strong. So we're going to focus on unity in the church body this year. There's going to be less going on with the calendar, but more emphasis on what we do have on the calendar being done together. Everybody say together. Everybody say together. Unity. Unified in what is on the calendar. So here's what I'm asking everyone that is a part of this family of God. Listen, division is not necessarily doing something in opposition to the vision that God has given. So today as pastor, I tell you guys, the vision God has given me is we're going to focus on family. It doesn't mean that you say, well, I'm blessed God, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm not going to focus on family. I'm going to focus on me and me only. All right? Yes, that would be divisive, but that's not what it means necessary to be divisive or to, be divi- to work division. You don't have to be diametrically opposed to direction that God has given or leadership has put in place in order to be, as Paul described in Romans chapter 16, verse 17, a cause of division. You don't have to be anti-opposed against. All you have to do is to want to do something different. Y'all still with me? I'm going to do my own thing. So, Pastor, I I know what you're saying right now, and that's cool for everybody, but not me. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm convinced that 90% of the vision that comes to a church, that the people who cause it, that was not their intention. They weren't trying to be divisive. They just wanted to do their own thing. I've watched it happen in organizations. Somebody doesn't get elected as an official. And rather than them submitting and saying, well, I'm going to be a part of it, they go start their own organization. Yeah. 
right? Somebody else is over that ministry, and I think I should be the one over it. And so rather than me submitting it, I'm going to start my own ministry. So you got your youth group, and then we got this little side youth group over here. That functions on its own. That's divisive. Everybody said that's divisive. That's how division starts. Well, that wasn't my motive. I didn't ask what your motive was. Motive, submitting. Right? There's a lot of things that start out good but end up bad because they're not in unity. And in order for there to be unity, there has to be submission. Submitted even though I may feel like I'm better suited to lead a ministry than that person who's leading it. But I'm going to submit to the leadership that is in place. If submission were bicycle, then trust is the wheels. If submission is the house, then trust is the foundation. And as we cast vision today, some of the things I'm going to share today, some of you are going to love every bit of it. Some of you aren't going to love certain parts of it. It's not about whether you love or even agree. It's will you submit. Because if you trust that God is, that pastor has heard from God, I may not agree with it, but I trust that pastor has heard from God. I trust the decisions that he's making are, are being prayerfully made. Amen. Whoever he's put in place to lead that leadership, I may not agree with it, but I trust that pastor is following God's direction. So rather than me starting my own little deal on the side, I'm going to submit to that, and we're going to be in unity this year like never before. So we're going to be a family. Everybody say, we're going to be a family. We're going to be a family that prays together. Why? Because a family that prays together. We're going to be a family that worships together. Why? Because a family that worships together, it don't rhyme with, still, still works. We're going to be a family that grows together. We're going to be a family that loves together. And every person that walks through the doors of this church in 2022 is going to find out what home feels like. They're going to walk into this place and they're going to feel this is where I belong. I feel safe like I don't feel any place else. I feel secure like I don't feel anywhere else. I feel love like I can't find it anywhere else. Everybody say, welcome home. Say it like you mean it. Say, welcome home. When people walk into this building, they're walking into a family. They're not walking into vision. They're not walking into Cain and Abel competition. They're walking into a family. We're going to welcome them with open arms. We're going to love them. Say it again. Say welcome home. It's going to be a big part of our vocabulary in 2022. Maddie, come play softly behind me, please. The second focus is on strengthening our families. When I say our families, I'm talking about the individual families that make up Living Hope. My family is Valerie, Brooke, Cameron, Riley, and Dakota. That's my family within the larger family, right? It's Trey, Michelle, Kiara, Jay, and Josiah. That's their family. Jose, Nikki, Cristiano, Izzy, Ava, Emmy, that's their family. As we strengthen the Living Hope family, we're going to strengthen the families of Living Hope. And we're, again, I don't have time today, but I'm just telling you, we're going to give you the tools in, in 2022, not just to embrace Deuteronomy 6.4. Some of you might feel inadequate. Well, how can I teach my children? We're going to give you the tools. 
I, I, come back Wednesday night and I'll explain more. But I promise you, it's so exciting what God's getting ready to do in this year. But we're going to get, if you're a first-time guest to Living Hope, I promise you by the time we're done giving you tools, you're going to be excited about sitting down in the living room and talking to your children about the goodness of God. We're going to give you tools. I'm more excited about I wish I could get you guys to feel what I feel today. I stated that there's going to be a, some pretty big changes in our schedule. And there are a lot of factors that feed into some of these changes. But the number one purpose is for this adjustment, is to bring unity and to do what we do, do together as a church family. And secondly, so that you can have time to strengthen your family, relationally and spiritually. Many of the core leaders of Living Hope are here Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, sometimes cleaning days on Saturdays, Sunday morning, sometimes Sunday night. So when, when do you build your family outside of living hope? It's hard to have a Deuteronomy 6 revival that leads to 6-4 harvest under those conditions. Now I will say again, if... If you want the church to do the heavy lifting for you and you're not into this whole being empowered to do the Deuteronomy 6-7 thing and you just want to keep bringing your family to a church where Sunday school teachers do all the work and youth pastors do the work and the preacher sweats for 30 minutes and then you go do your thing and you wash your hands, living hope may not be the right place for you. And again, I'm not trying to be arrogant. However, if like the wise man in Matthew chapter 7 who builds his house on the rock, you desire to build your life, your home, and raise your family on the unshakable foundation of Jesus Christ, the solid rock, then I say to you, get ready, because 2022 is going to be the greatest year that you and your family have ever seen. Get ready. Get ready to see God do things in your living room. Get ready to see God do things around the dining room table that you never thought God could do in your children, but God is going to do them in this coming year. Before I conclude, I will say this. Please don't miss Wednesday night. Tell your neighbor, don't miss Wednesday night. Some of you are like, well, I done missed half of today. Well, go back and watch what you missed today. Don't miss Wednesday night because today is the, we've talked about the why and the what, but Wednesday we're going to talk about the how and the when. We're going to get, I'm, I want to get everybody here so bad, we're going to give out $300 worth of door prizes Wednesday night. Say, Pastor, that's manipulating. I know exactly what it is. I prom, Paul said, I'll do anything to, you know, do all things to say, I'll do whatever it takes to get you here Wednesday night. Because it's that important what we're going to be sharing Wednesday night. So we're going, to, we're going to get $300 worth of door prizes and we'll give them out throughout the night Wednesday night because I want you all here. So we're going to, first thing we're going to do right now, we're going to go through the calendar and you're going to see some big changes. So you're going to be like, I don't get it. Well, I'll help you get it. But let's look at, we got a graphic back there, I think. Go ahead. First of all, Monday night, there's not going to be corporate prayer. We're just going to keep rolling. What there is going to be, Josh dunking on the eight-foot rim. 
Every second Monday is going to be gym night, which stands for grow your ministry. Everybody say grow your ministry. And that's going to be for all ages. And we'll, we're going to, you have to come back Wednesday night if you want to know what that is. I'll give you a hint. It has nothing to do with weightlifting. All right, Wednesdays. Wednesday night is going to be our corporate prayer. Everybody say everybody. That's not some corporate prayer and others have it another night. It's everybody together. Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.15. If you want to be on this platform on Sunday, then you need to be in this altar on Wednesday. Across the board. We're not making exceptions to that. All right? Everybody. All right? Every, how many of you can make it to church Wednesday night at 6.30? All right? This ain't multiple choice. Some Wednesday nights, some will be here. This is if you're a part of this body. We're, if, hey, again, the church that prays, well, that sounds good because it rhymes. It don't matter how good it sounds if we don't do it. The church that prays together stays together. So Wednesday night, we're going to come. We're not going to have a little pre-service prayer. We're going to pray. We're going to get a hold of God, 6.30 to 7.15. We're going to pray. Thursday nights. 6.30, once a month, the worship team is going to practice once a month. Now, for years, our worship team has been coming every Thursday night practicing. And let's give our worship team a hand clap. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. But I just, this isn't about negotiating. This is about God prompting me, saying, hey, we got to give these families time for them to give the word in their living rooms. So once a month, our music team is going to practice on Thursday nights. We'll tell you, it's not the only time they're practicing. We'll get into the rest of that. Friday, once a month, every second Friday is going to be a monthly hyphen event. Go on. Every third Friday is going to be an Arrow Youth event. And every, <clears throat> waiting for the slide, keep going. That's it. There's a men's. What week is the men's, Brother Junior? Is it the first? All right, once a, one, one Friday a month, there's going to be a men's event. All right? Sundays, our schedule that we have this Sunday is going to continue. We're going to have, so what will happen, the worship team is going to come at 9 o'clock every Sunday, and they're going to practice from 9 to 1030. 1030. 10 o'clock to 1030 will be donuts in the foyer, 1030 prayer, 11 o'clock Sunday school, noon worship. What, what are we doing there? We're clearing up our calendar so that we can give our families time to spend time in the Word of God together with one another. Amen? Our third focus is going to be the families in our community. And I'm not going to preach long. I'm not even going to preach on it. I'm just going to share it with you. Once we get this family, the Living Hope family, the household of faith strong, and we get the individual family strong, now we're going to take it and we're going to reach the family. How many of you know our secular world is even concerned about what's going on with families? How many of you know that? They're concerned because our world is trying to redefine families. They're telling our parents that it's none of your business what they're teaching your children in school. That's hogwash. It's my business. It's absolutely my business. Hey, God gave me the job of raising my child. It's every bit my business. It's every bit your business, what they're teaching your children. And even our world, even our world is saying, is there anybody that's going to fight for our families? And we are. We're going to answer the call. We're going to fight for our families by reaching families. So this year, God has given us a vision 22 new families in 2022. 
How's he going to do that? How many of you families will take a responsibility and say, this year, if God will help me, our family is going to disciple another family. We're going to reach another family. If we can get 22 families that will reach another family, that's how we get to 22. How many of you will, I want to take a count right now. We're going to get 22. Stand right now. I need 22 families. All right. We can go home as soon as you all want or we can stay as long as you want. All right. That's awesome. I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd say that's well over 22. Okay, we're going to get our family strong. And listen, don't say you don't have time now. I'm giving you back four nights of the week. All right? You, you can do it now. Take, hey, invite that family over and show them how good your barbecue skills are. Or maybe how good they're not. But what, whatever, all right? Build relationship with them and teach them the word of God. Listen, you can't just invite people. To, just inviting people to church is not evangelism. You have to build relationships with people. Amen. How many of you will believe with me that in 2022, God is going to give us 22 new families? 22 new families. Stand with me. Pastor, where are we going to put 22 new families? I'm glad you asked. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know if in this year God is going to open doors for us to start daughter works if we're going to start another service I don't know what I do know is we need to start moving toward building phase two over there I got one amen everybody else was like hold up right brother James said amen everybody else went hold up grab the wallet Don't, don't worry I'm not making a big money grab today I am asking us to make a financial commitment and it's going to be real easy for us to pick up. I'm asking the ushers to help me right now. They're going to pass around these 2022 Building Fund Giving Initiative. And here's real simple. I'm asking you to commit. This is, this is you sowing into your family, the families of this community, and this church family financially. And everybody can get involved. That you're committing to give $1 a day every day of 2022 or $2 a day or $3. The most I'm asking of you is $10 a day, which would be $3,650 if you chose the, the biggest number I'm asking. All right? I, I think that's worth the investment into your family. Amen? It's, it's definitely worth the investment into my family. It, and I, I just did some quick math. If we were able to get 30 families that would commit to giving $10 a day in 2022, that would give us, in, in addition to what's already there, if that was it, just 30 families to give $10 a day, that would give us an additional $109,500. Plus all of you that might give $1 a day. Hey, I'll take it. Give a dollar. I don't care. Just everybody do something. We'll have all do something. How many of you have been around for some of our campaigns we've done before? And you understand this is, we're not asking what the previous campaigns have asked. Here, here's the way this can work, though, Living Hope. If we'll win some new families, those new families are going to get excited about the future of Living Hope, and they're going to come on and be financial partners with us as well. So it's not all going to be just on the same of you that have been giving time and time again. So right now, the ushers have given you a couple things, I think. I think they've given you a commitment card. 
and a sticker, right? Did you all get a sticker? They're getting those now. Khadijah designed these stickers. She has personally threatened lies if she finds them left under chairs. Not really. Y'all don't want to mess with Khadijah. Amen. But these are just a moment. The, the sticker is a memento to help you hold on to the vision of 2022. Living hope, experience family. How many of you understand? I know I've, I've tried to get a, a little bit of the practical side and I've tried to preach the spiritual side of it. But how many of you understand what I'm saying and feeling the Holy Ghost that the flack is heavy over our families? You see it happening in our world today that the enemy is doing everything in his power to destroy, redefine, and redesign what a family looks like. I'm going to tell you, the, if you want to know what a family is supposed to look like, it's one man, one woman, and their children. I'm not being mean, but that's the way God designed the family. And anytime you get outside of God's design, you can't be blessed. So we're going to fight for God's design. It's not about us shaming people. It's not about us hating people. It's about us loving what God has said he will bless. And we're going to fight for that in 2022. So what I want to ask you to do, if you want to fill these out now, on your way out the door, there's going to be ushers at the door. You can turn these into them if you want to wait until Wednesday night. Pray about it. Think about it. Bring it back Wednesday night. And if, if you just want to tear off the right side of that, where it says, I have committed to give. I mean, if you want to, like, we put up to 10. If you want to do $100 a day, we won't say no. Some of you got it like that. The Lord bless you. Amen. Not many of you, I don't think, are rolling like that in 22. But if you are, God bless you. Amen. But if you'll write that in on the other side and kind of tear that off and put that in the bucket, you can keep the other side for you. Before we leave today, and I know this is a different ending for Living Hope. We, we, we end with altar calls. But I want us to bow our heads. And I want us to pray for the vision that God's given us in 2022. I want us to pray for the families. I want, us to, I want you to pray for this family, Living Hope as a church body. I want you to pray for the individual families and some of you young adults and singles and unmarried. Don't think you're, that just because you're not married, you're not a family. You are. You're part of this family. And I want us to pray for the families of this community. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, as we engage in the battle. Lord, I have, through prayer, I followed the flack. God, and through discernment and understanding what your spirit is speaking, I know where the enemy is attacking. I know the enemy understands that if he can destroy the family, then there is no church. The enemy understands if he can destroy the family, there is no blessing. God, that if he can destroy the family, there is no future for the church. So God, in 2022, Living Hope is going to engage in the battle. God, we are going to fight for the families. We're going to fight first and foremost for this church family. And then God, we're going to fight for our families. I'm going to fight for Valerie and Brooke and Cameron and Riley and Dakota. I'm going to fight for them. And God, I'm going to fight for the families of this church. I'm going to fight in prayer every day. I commit as the pastor that I'm going to pray for the families of this church. And God, we together are going to pray for the families of our community. I want you to stretch your hands out toward this community that surrounds us. Listen, there's so many broken homes and families. They don't know where to turn. There's no answers coming from our world. They don't know what to tell them. They don't have answers. The world has given up and said family isn't the answer, but I'm telling you, family, God-ordained family is the answer. So I want us to pray, God, help us to reach the families of our community. 
Would you lift your voice with me before we conclude this service and dismiss? God, would you empower us in 2022? I'm believing you, Lord, for 22 new families. I'm believing you right now, God. I'm praying for Paco and Mandy, God. Uh, Lord, I know I've been a friend of that family for many years, and God, I've prayed with them. Lord, and I've been a friend to them, but I'm believing this is going to be the year, God, that you're going to allow me, God, to teach them that Bible study. And Lord, you're going to see them brought into the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray for the families all across this city. I pray, give living hope a burden. God, it's, again, if I just preach this vision, but it's not embraced by the church, it's just another Sunday. But if right now, Lord, every home and every family that makes up this congregation would embrace this, say, Pastor, we're on board with you. Pastor, we're on board with you. We're going to fight for the families this year. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.